So in Proverbs 19:17 it says, "He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done." Many of you have said, you know, we want to hear what what happened when you guys went to Alaska. So I'm going to be preaching a sermon. I'm going to weave it in this morning. And I ask him to come up and just share kind of an intro to this video. That would be great. Awesome. Well, while we were in Alaska, we had the opportunity to do some backyard Bible camps um, for the, the kids in each of the parks in Alaska. Um, and so we had the, we had a, our group went to four different parks, and uh, during that time, we would share a story and then do a game and craft to kind of reinforce that lesson, um, and as we were getting to know the kids and kind of building relationships with them, um, we kind of very quickly found out um, what they thought about themselves, and uh, a couple of them had been kind of verbally degrading themselves and just didn't see themselves as very valuable or very important or skilled or talented, and so... Uh, one of our groups came up with the idea of having a talent show. And so one of the cool things we did while we were in Alaska was have these park parties. And we'd invite all the families to come and join us in the evenings uh, to celebrate kind of the week and just have a carnival and fun stuff like that. And so they created this little talent show and had the students kind of practice so they could kind of identify something that they're good at and then have all these crazy Ohioans come and cheer for them um, as they did there. It was as simple as like dribbling a basketball and cartwheels. They're like dribbling, dribbling. We're like, you're amazing. It's the best dribbling I've ever seen in my life kind of thing. Um, and so we had a lot of fun with that, all the way to like organized dances and stuff like that. So um, as you see the video, you'll get to see the first two kind of clips are of two of the talent show performances that we did. Um, and then we'll go into kind of pictures of all the rest of the stuff that we did while we were in Alaska. And in the music and around the background of this video is our worship team. We had the opportunity to bring almost our entire band, our youth band, to Alaska, which was a huge privilege. And so we had um, a chance to lead worship for all the groups who were there serving uh, at GraceWorks at the same time as us. And so the music behind this video is our worship band.
Those of you um, who don't know me, my name is Luke Cook, and about a month ago I was able to go on this wonderful missions trip to Alaska, and it was probably one of the most powerful weeks in my life that I've ever experienced because, like Kimmy was saying, you know, a lot of these kids' lives were just completely broken. Um, they didn't really feel valuable at all, like she said. They just, you know, felt no worth, and it was a very... Um, wonderful privilege and an honor just to go up there and be a light in their lives and just share the truth um, about Jesus with them. And the last day we were there, uh, we because the whole week we've been you know making connections with them, you know playing with them. Um, the last day we were there, we really just dove into the love of Jesus and how He so desperately loved them and how He wanted them you know to come and know Him. And by the end of the week, I know several kids from our park that I was at came to know the Lord. And there were even more kids um, from the other parks that came to know him. And even if just one kid had accepted Christ, that would have made it worth it for me. I would do this all again next year if I knew that one kid would come to know Christ. Because that just made my trip. Um, I think that's about it. But I just wanted to... Uh, thank you guys, and hopefully we'll be able to have more trips like this in the future. Thank you. Great job. Really good job. I'll tell you, I just am so proud. I'm so proud of our students um, after first service, just you know, hearing their testimonies and, and the impact that it made on their lives. And when you go on a missions trip like that, obviously you're trying to invest in the lives of the children there. But to, um, to, to have the impact that I've seen on the lives of our students and adults, boy, it was so, so well worth it. I'm going to go back to Proverbs 19:17. It says, whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. The Bible is absolutely clear from Genesis to Revelation that being kind to the poor is linked to godly character and sincere faith, to spiritual maturity. If we want to be spiritually mature, if we want to grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, we're talking about, you know, this, in this whole series about making our path straight, that God will make our path straight. What is our purpose in life? What is God calling us to do? What does God want us to do with the lives that he's given to us? If we want to, we want to find that out. We're going to have to give our lives away. We're going to have to sacrifice, complete and utter sacrifice for Jesus Christ. It's a theme that dominates. This whole idea of of giving and showing kindness to the poor is a theme that dominates both Old and New Testament. So what I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to take apart Proverbs 19:17 and see what we can learn as the body of Christ what can we learn about showing kindness to those in need 
When we give, we are literally lending to the Lord. That's what the Bible says. We're lending to the Lord. And when we lend something, think about it. When we lend something, we are expecting something in return. Right? When you lend something to someone, you're expecting something, a payment in return. And God will repay us for the kindness that we show to others. That is a promise. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. God will repay. As we go through this and take this passage apart, it boggles the mind to think about it. The truth in what we're gonna, we're gonna dissect this morning. It literally boggles the mind just to, just to contemplate it. So before we move on and talk about that, we need to just pause and we need to define the, the term poor from a biblical standpoint. Because there's a lot of things that are thrown out there in the world. We poor and needy and, you know, uh, poverty and all those kinds of things. But what is the Bible talking about when it talks about the poor? The biblically poor are usually um, in circumstances beyond their control. If someone is biblically poor, again, it's usually that they are, they find themselves in circumstances that are beyond their control. A catastrophe, for example. Something happened that put them in that position. Maybe, maybe it's a, maybe it's sickness. Maybe they went through a period of sickness and they used their resources and now they don't have any more resources because of using up the resources because someone in their family was sick. Maybe it's injustice. All around the world we find injustice. We find people being oppressed and suppressed and, and so it's maybe injustice that puts them in those circumstances. But usually in the Bible when it talks about the poor and the needy, it is people who are in circumstances beyond their own control. Because what we come up with sometimes is many people define the poor, for example, as someone whose expenses, okay, basically exceed their income. So that's, that's a needy person. Someone whose expenses exceed their income. Well, that's a, that's a false definition because that could describe almost anyone with poor organizational skills or no self-discipline or lack of self-discipline. You know, it doesn't really matter how much you make. You have poor organizational skills. You're not watching out for your finances. You're not thinking ahead. You're not planning ahead. Or you, you just, you're, you're basically, uh, you lack that self-discipline. You, you get it, you spend it, and then you're in a difficult situation. So that isn't the answer. That's not it. Proverbs also challenges, the Bible challenges the idea of giving to a sluggard or a lazy person. In Proverbs chapter 21, verse 25, it says, The cravings of a sluggard will be the death of him because his hands refuse to work. His hands refuse to work. It's not that they can't work. Not that there's no jobs available. It's not that there's no opportunity. They refuse to take the opportunity when it is given to them. A poor person, a needy person from a biblical perspective, when given an opportunity, will move from the position that they're in. They will take that opportunity. A sluggard, a lazy person, will not. Proverbs 26:14 says this, As the door turns on its hinges, so does the sluggard in his bed. Right? little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a bandit and scarcity like an armed man. 
Proverbs. That's what we're talking about. So some people, they misunderstand. They see everyone in every situation, if they're in that situation, as, oh, they're needy. They're poor from a biblical standpoint. That's not true. That's not true. That's their choice in many cases. And what we want to do with someone like that, if you find out, if you come across someone like that, what you want to do is invest in their lives. Give them good, biblical, solid advice. Don't give them resources. Give them good, solid, biblical advice. Help them to see the error of their ways and get back on the path that God has designed them to live. We don't have to just brush them off and throw the baby out with the bathwater. We need to invest in them and confront them in love and let them know you were not designed by God to live the way you're living. That's a loving thing to do, to propagate their lifestyle because of, of a choice that they're making to be a sluggard or a lazy person. is not loving. It's not compassionate. It's not kind. It's kind to confront in love. Now, it's very clear from these passages, these verses, that there are people living in poverty who have no claim to our pity nor to our charity. Okay? Again, we talk about it. What do you do? You sit down and you invest your life in that person's life to move them to a new place. So what is our responsibility uh, to the truly poor and needy as followers of Jesus Christ on the path that we're on our spiritual path. What is our spiritual responsibility to those who are truly in need that are all around us? Two things are implied here in Proverbs 19:17. Two things are implied concerning kindness. Number one, number one thing, it needs to be practical. Proverbs 19:17. It needs to be practical. So, for example, um, it, one, I have a lot of pet peeves. One of them is, and, and I, I don't 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 throw this, don't take this as a general criticism. Everyone who uses the phrase, but in this case, if you're being kind to the poor, you can't be a thought leader in this area only. Well, what do you do with the poor? And when you see someone poor, and you, oh, I'm a thought leader. So you know. Um, so my, my thought is I was thinking about it this past week and I'm going to be I'm going to be a poverty coach. Does that sound good. I'm going to be a poverty coach. You know what a poverty coach does? A poverty coach tells everybody else how they should help people in poverty. So I'm going to tell you what you should be. You all should be doing when it comes to helping people who are needy and poor and in poverty. I'm a poverty coach, so I don't help them. I just coach you on what to do because I'm a thought-leading poverty coach when it comes to helping in poor and needy. That does not cut it, okay? That's what it's talking about. It needs to be practiced. It's a kindness that does something to relieve, alleviate the distress in that person's life. You're getting your hands dirty. You're getting dirt underneath your fingernails, if you will. Get down in there. Invest in their lives. The Bible's talking about showing kindness in such a way that it alleviates, it it relieves the distress that the person is under. That is so important for us to understand. It's beyond, it's beyond just emotion, if you will. It goes beyond that emotional kindness only often shows itself in, in sentimental outward expressions. We have these sentimental outward, you see something happening and, oh, we're so moved emotionally. And so we have this sentimental outward expression and it never seems to get beyond words. And from a biblical standpoint, it's meaningless. 
It's meaningless. Talk if you're not going to follow it up with some type of action that is going to impact that person's life from a biblical standpoint, from God's standpoint, when it comes to he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and the Lord will reward that person for what they have done. That falls apart because your, your, your kindness is only in your own mind, in your own heart, and you're just basically, uh, you feel an emotional response when you see someone suffering. That's it. And no, it doesn't go beyond words. It doesn't go beyond emotions. See, that to me describes most of the world's efforts in this area. See, I think the poor today are used as pawns for political and ideological gain. Right? And I mean across the board. Don't be thinking, oh, yeah, those, it's those guys who do that. Those guys do that. For political and ideological gain, the the poor are often used as pawns, okay, to be to be uh, to be manipulated by others. It's why it's why people do nothing. They do nothing that costs them. Hear me out. They do nothing that actually costs them anything. They are passionate, absolutely passionate that something needs to be done. But they're not the ones who are going to do it. It doesn't cost them. It doesn't cost them anything to do it. But man, they're passionate that it needs to be done. One of my favorite verses of scripture is James chapter 2, verses 14 through 19. And it, it gives us a good principle here. In James chapter 2, verses 14 through 19, this is what it says. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith, but has no deeds. Can such faith save them? Now, such faith, I'm not going to get into all the theology here, but is a dead faith, a non-existent faith. It's not a saving faith. Okay, so it's not, it's not like you're saved by faith and works. That's not what this passage is saying. He's saying, if you say that you have faith, but you don't do anything to back it up, and you're not investing of your own, yourself personally, okay, then it's not faith, it's dead faith, it's worthless faith. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe there's one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. Worthless. Emotionally, oh, I just, I I feel passion that something needs to be done by someone about this problem. Well, gee, that's just, you know what this, let me give you, I know you tell your kids not to say shut up, so plug their ears for a second. What this is saying is, (laughs) the idea here is shut up and do something. Shut up and do something for goodness sake. Stop talking. Stop using so many words. Talking and marching and yelling and fighting and violence and name calling and fake outrage over the plight of the poor. Okay? Is completely meaningless unless it's backed up by personal sacrifice. Personal sacrifice, personal, Jeff Greer, personal sacrifice. Talk is cheap. Shut up and do something. It's basically what he's saying. Do something. 
So it needs to be practical. Number two, it needs to be genuine. This word implies this, this idea of kindness, it, that, that God accepts it, that the Lord accepts it. Okay, so here's the thing. If, if you're making a loan to the Lord, it must be genuine because if he is taking the loan, if he's saying he who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord, if he's receiving that as a loan that is going to be paid back, then it has to be genuine. It can't be just genuine, general mumbo jumbo or feelings or whatever. It has to be genuine. The motives have to be right. The service that we offer, the sacrifice that we make, the resources that we give must come from right principles and sincere motives, right principles, biblically solid principles, and this is important, and sincere motives. There is a lot of charity shown to the poor, which, which happens through motives which are abhorrent to the Lord. God does not accept it. It, it. it angers him, if you will. There's a lot of people reaching out. I'm going to tell you something. Orphans are big business. You can, you can clean up if you start an organization that helps orphans and you, you take yourself a $200,000 salary and you send 25 or 30% of the money that comes in to those poor little orphans. Orphans can be big money. Taking care of people in need, the, the amount of money that I heard this week that is spent in some cities to take care of the homeless, over 10 years, we're talking $200 million, $125, million, the money is staggering and there's really very little result. We need... As people to make sure that our motives, when we're, when we're going to give, show kindness to the poor, we are lending to the Lord. And if we're lending to the Lord and expect to get something in return, according to this passage, then it needs to be genuine. The motives need to be pure. The heart needs to be in the right place. Proverbs says, and he will reward them for what they have done. Every gift of genuine kindness to the poor, like I said, is a loan to the Lord. And that loan, this is like mind-boggling, okay? If you think about it, theologically, it's mind-boggling. If you're kind to the poor, you're literally giving that gift to God, and God is going to repay that kindness. God is going to repay that loan. Now, there's a common misunderstanding that we need to kind of put away really very quickly here in this sermon um, when it comes to how God repays you. Money, wealth, is not the only way that God repays his people. It's not this, you know, if you give 100, he'll give 1,000. You give 1,000, he'll give 10,000, right? You watch those TV things. You know, if you just give 100, send in $1,000. God's going to give you $10,000. How about you send in the first 1,000 and him give 10,000? I'll send in 1,000. You give me your 10,000 and God will give you 100,000. How's that sound? Right? That's not the only way that God gives to his people. It's sometimes given that way, but it's not a biblical rule that if you do something kind, if you give resources, that God's going to give you 10 times the resources. Does that happen sometimes? Absolutely. Is it biblical? Yes, it is. Does it happen every single time? No, it does not. I can tell you right now, if I said every one of you came up here and you said, what is, I told you, asked you, what is your greatest need? What is your greatest need? What's your greatest need, desire? If you could have this, if this could change in your life, what would it be? I guarantee you almost 95% of you would not come up here and say, oh, I, need, I need more money. 
Now, you may need more. That may be second or third, but I guarantee you it's going to be about relationships. It's going to be about fears. It's going to be about stress. It's going to be about all of these things that you want to overcome. Maybe God's going to bless you in that way. And as a matter of fact, if a person is given wealth and they misuse the wealth that they were given, it is not a blessing. It becomes a curse. Now you're responsible before God for what he's given you financially. And if you misuse what he's given you financially, if you're a poor steward of what you've been given, it is no longer a blessing. Now it becomes a judgment. It becomes a curse. See, that, that's what we have to, we all need to under, we totally need to understand. Okay, so what are some ways that God repays that debt? What are some ways? Well, first, he repays it here on earth. He repays it here in this world. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 8, it says this. Remember this. Now, listen to these words. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Same principle. Each of you should give what you decide in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, which is why I don't like the pressure that people get put under sometimes to give. For God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. So if your heart's in the right place, your motive's in the right place, you're doing it for the right reasons, God is able to bless you abundantly. Just money? No. Relationships? Yep, that could be one. Overcoming fears? That's another. All kinds of ways God can bless you. So that in all things, I love the Bible, I love all and every, in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So God, okay, God can bless you here. God will bless you. He promises. He was kind to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he will reward them for what they have done. All right? So that's here. It will also be acknowledged on the day of judgment. We find that in a related passage in Matthew 25, and you've heard this passage before because I use it a lot. In Matthew 25, Jesus says, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me, right? And he goes through, Lord, when do we see you hungry? When do we see you naked? When do we see you? Whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And he goes on to say, whatever you did not do for the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did not do for me. And then it goes on to say, and they went away into judgment. And those who did not, those who were were selfish and greedy and did not help those in need, they went away to eternal punishment. And those who did and invested in them, they went away to eternal glory, to spend eternity with God. So not only do we receive a reward here on earth, we get, do we get blessed here on earth? We also receive a blessing on the day of judgment. So what does it mean? Let's just kind of dig down a little deeper here. What does it mean to lend to the Lord? Don't miss this, okay? Put your thinking caps on because this is just amazing. What does it mean to lend to the Lord? It, may, it means that God undertakes the obligation to repay the loan. God undertakes the obligation to repay the loan. And if we are looking to him to repay that loan, we shouldn't look to the second party. 
If, if it's God who's going to repay the loan, if you're doing it for the right reasons, you're being kind to the poor. You're just being kind to the poor because the Bible says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. So naturally, you're going to do things for other people because you love them. If you do that, God is the one who's going to repay the loan. If God is the one repaying the loan, then we shouldn't be looking to the second party, if you will, the needy, to repay that loan or to get anything from them. We shouldn't expect anything back from the person in need, but we should regard our gift as giving it directly to God. So God is first. Okay, God is saying, I'm going to repay it. The needy person is not saying they're going to repay it. So we have to not look to the second party, but the first party, giving it to God himself. We are to give to the poor out of what? Love for God, right? And a heart of kindness. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the motivations why we should do it. We should not expect to get the applause of the world. Why? Because we're not doing it for them. But see, this is kind of a scary situation we get ourselves into in the, in the church, if you will. Not this church, in just church in general. Where people want the applause of everyone around them. They do things because they, they, want their, they, want, they want the applause. They want people to recognize them. Here's the reality of it. Even pastors in churches, they, they want actually the world to love them. They want the world to love them. You've seen this in different situations where someone gets in a position where they can speak the truth and they can share the gospel and instead they compromise themselves on television or on a radio show or in some situation because they want the people that are there around them to love them. And they use the excuse, oh, I just want to get, I want to connect with them. So they get to, I get to know them, build a relationship. Hey, speak the truth, build a relationship, but speak the truth. They don't. Why? Because they want this. Oh, you're so one. You're so great. We're not doing it for the applause of the world because we're not doing it for them. Love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Bible never says love the world and, and love them so much and they'll love you back. You know it doesn't say that, so we've got to make sure that we're not falling into that trap. We shouldn't expect the, that the poor are thankful and, and have expectations that they're going to um, somehow be beholding to us. We shouldn't have that attitude. Someone in the church, for example, maybe goes through a really difficult time with an illness and they go through all their savings and so they're struggling. And so one of you decides, I'm going to be kind to the poor. I mean, you say, well, they live here in Mason. They live in Westchester. They live in in Lebanon. They're not poor. But you know what? They are now. They're struggling to hold on to their mortgage and everything. And so you come and help them. If you're going to do that, do not expect them to give you like to be beholding to you for the rest of your life. Why? He was kind to the poor lends to the Lord. If you're not going to give it to God first, don't give it to them. Don't give it to them expecting something in return from them. You're that you you their loyalty for the rest of your life. They can never speak truth to you anymore because you it's almost like you got them over a barrel. You did this in their lives. Now they're beholding to you for what you did. And every time you kind of remind them a little bit when I don't do that's the Bible saying don't do that. Because you will receive nothing from God. He was kind to the poor, lends to the Lord, and he will reward him for what he has done. It is God who has undertaken the obligation to repay the loan, not that other person. Don't make them repay emotionally. 
Don't make people repay. Don't give it to them if you're going to make them repay emotionally. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking. You have relatives, okay, that they give you something, mom, a mom or a dad or aunt or an uncle or grandparent or something. They give you something and you're paying for it, aren't you? Right? They give it to you and it's like money and there's a string attached to it. Right? It, uh, uh, you're going to what? How many of them are you going to visit me? Whoa, you know what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about here. It's similar to that kind of behavior. And many of you told me that you go through that. Our giving needs to be done out of pure sympathy and compassion or it is meaningless to God. And we, I will receive absolutely nothing from him. Nothing from him. In Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Jesus talks about rewards. He says, be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your father in heaven. So if you're doing it to to everybody's like, oh, you're so fantastic and you owe you receive nothing from God in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. Man, that's one of those tough ones. Even if our motives are pure, Satan can come in and start to pull on our heart. And, you know, you want to be the thought leader in this area. You want to be well known. You can write the next whatever. You should write an article because you did that. And and just all of a sudden you get sucked into all these things to be honored by men. Here's one thing you got to keep in mind. Live to an audience of one not to an audience of thousands or millions. Live to an audience of one. If people recognize you for that and want to follow your example as you follow the example of Christ, so be it. That's wonderful. But live to an audience of one. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full, which means when they get to heaven, you get bupkis. You stand before God and when he burns up everything that's not of any value, everything gets burned up because you already took the value here on earth. You walked around, hey, hey, look at me. Hey, 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 I'm the... God says, okay, you, that's what you get, but you get nothing else. You get nothing else here from God on earth and you get nothing in heaven when you get there. If you think about it, I want you to think about this theologically. If you think about it, what an honor God has given us to lower himself, to lower himself, to borrow from us. What an honor. God, the, God, think about God. The one we worship, we're on our knees, we lift our hands, we sing praise, we read the word, we're, we, we give our, we sacrifice our lives for him. And he lowers himself and borrows from us. Imagine Jesus coming to you. Imagine Jesus coming up to you and you know it was Jesus. It was like some miraculous thing and he needed to borrow a couple of dollars from you for whatever it was. I don't care whatever. I don't buy a bag of gum or whatever. It doesn't matter. How, you'd be like falling all over yourself, right? You, where's my wallet? Where's my card? Here, take, take my whole wallet, Jesus. Do whatever you want, right? You'd be falling all over yourself. Can you imagine owning a business and having Jesus on your books? Jesus is on your books and your business. It would, it would seem kind of dumb, wouldn't it, if Jesus was only down for a, uh, for a tiny amount? It would, seem, it would seem kind of ridiculous to you. If, you, if Jesus is on your books, you, want him, you don't want him down for a tiny amount. So let's make sure that, our, that when we lend to him, 
that what we lend to him is a lot. Let's lend a lot to the Lord. Let's give a lot to God. Let's give it so that our reward is great. Let's give so much to God as a church and as individuals that our reward here on earth and heaven is going to be great. If, if, if we are kind to the poor, then we lend to the Lord and the Lord will repay that debt. And if that's the truth, it would be just, I'll say foolishness, foolishness not to invest a lot. And, you know, I'm not getting up here chastising or attacking or belittling or saying, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with Grace Chapel? We're not, we're doing amazing things. Let me just encourage you very quickly. Number one, I asked a couple weeks ago for a car. Um, To be honest with you, when you ask for a car, you're usually thinking you're going to get something with three wheels. Um, <laughs> and that, you know, and that's okay. Cause we can fix it up. We get another wheel. That's awesome. It's something right. And someone can use it, whatever. I'm going to tell you something. I asked two weeks ago, three weeks ago for a car. We got an, uh, a Subaru, um, Forester that looks spectacular. When some of the staff saw it, when the person, when the young lady who received it saw it, she cried. Okay. When the people who, when they dropped it off and some of the staff, they cried thinking she's going to be so excited about this gift. He who is kind to the poor lends to the Lord. You're going to give a, you know, it's like that, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a gift. That's going to be returned to those folks. God's going to repay that loan. God's going to repay that kindness to those folks. Well, I, I know there are so many of you who are excited about the stone house and aging out foster care that we're going to do over there. And we've got to fix up the basement. And you're saying, when can we, when are we starting? When are we starting? We have people in charge of that. We're going to be starting pretty soon. I'm just waiting for them to get everything together and get the plans laid out and what we're going to need. But that's something that you all desire to do. We are really close to finishing off a, a home for a, a couple in our church, a family in our church who needs a home. They need a place to live. So we're building this mobile home and it's just about finishing. And uh, and Danny, are you here? Where's Danny? I have my glasses. All right, Danny, stand up for a second. Danny, Danny, Danny Kramer. He's at the very. We're at the very end. We're at like the last couple of weeks here. We want to drive this forward to get it finished by the end of July. There's Danny. If you want to help in that way, we have the we have the materials. We just need the 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 manpower to get over there and finish that off. So go grab Danny after the service and say, Hey, I want to help. But I'm excited about all the things that we're doing. So I'm actually encouraging you. What I'm doing this morning is I'm taking Proverbs 19:17 and just I'm just breaking it down. I'm teaching, but I'm not teaching so because, man, we're so lame in this area. We're amazing in this area. I want to encourage you. I'm going to encourage you the rest of the summer with all the things that God is doing through you, the church. So it's exciting to see all these things. Now, as for repayment, you say, what are you talking about repayment? Let me just one last thing here. Ephesians 3.20 says, God can do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. God can do immeasurably more. Guys, we got we to gotta hold on to these truths. We have to give from our hearts. We need to sacrifice so that God can pour out his blessings and just rain down his blessings on us individually and as a church. And he will do immeasurably more than all we can ever ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. This whole idea of lending to the Lord and, and, and God will repay us. And C.H. C. Spurgeon wrote this, blessed be his name. 
His promise to pay is better than gold and silver. Are we running a little short through the depression of the times? We may venture humbly to present this bill at the bank of faith. He's got it. It's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. You help someone out of a sincere heart. You are literally giving that gift to God and God is going to repay the debt. God is going to repay the debt. I want to close out this morning by having just two more young ladies come up who were in Alaska and just share um, their experience in Alaska with you. Because I know so many of you said, tell us about Alaska, tell us about Alaska. So we are going to just close out this service by telling you a little more about Alaska. Hi, my name is Brianna, if you guys don't know me. Um, so Alaska was an amazing experience for me. I never had to experience anything like it before. I was actually super nervous because um, they were like, okay, so we're going to go to all the local parks and you're going to tell Jesus about these um, to these kids. And I was like, okay, I don't know these kids. I don't know if, like, like if I want to try to, like, push something on them, they'll be like, oh, uh, and then, like, walk away. So I was super terrified. Okay, so I'm afraid of public speaking, so. <laughs> um, so these kids, they have never felt love before. And that's, like, mind-blowing to me because, like, love is amazing. So it's just, like, really crazy that they've never felt, like, Jesus' love or people, like, loving on them. So it was really a great opportunity to be able to show our light and pour it into them and, like, show Jesus' light into them. Um, so I was, like, super afraid, like I said. Um, then Jeff had said something, spoke earlier, and it was like, you can't let fear define you. And that really spoke to me because all my life I wanted to, sh- like, recently I've wanted to just share the gospel with everybody. <laughs> but I was super terrified, too. Um, and then I finally stepped up. And I led prayer twice in my team, which was amazing for me because I was super scared. And then um, earlier in the week, um, one of our leaders, Carrie, she was gonna, actually going to teach a lesson. But then I was like, I think I want to teach a lesson. So I was up there and I was teaching it. And then the kids were like, I don't, they were laughing at me or they just wasn't listening. They didn't care. And I was like, okay. And I was like, I can't do this. And I almost backed down, but I was like, this, is what, this isn't what God wants me to do. He wants me to stand up. He wants me to face my fears. So I did that. And then later in the week, the last day, it was raining. It was so cold. Oh, my gosh. And then um, Pete, he actually shared his testimony. And, I was, and then God put in my heart that I needed to share mine because I feel like some of the kids could have been battling the same thing I went through, and maybe I could help them. So I did. And this girl that I felt really connected to, um, it really spoke to her because I talked to her after and she actually had been going through the same thing I've been through. Um, there was a bit of differences, but it like really spoke to her. And I know that like it meant so much to her and making an impact on at least one person's life is so amazing. And she actually asked for a Bible for her, a Bible for her mom. And then I think one of her other family members. So that was really cool. And then out of all of our kids at our park, at the very end, I think like 10 accepted Christ and a couple others have gotten baptized. So it's really an amazing experience. So, and I love 
all of them. And I'm so excited that they're going to have Christ or, like, they're going to be able to learn and be able to, like, like show the love. Because I loved showing the light to each one of them. Because I was actually, like, going through a lot, like, at the beginning of the trip. And then just going to see those kids. And, like, the light shining up on their faces to show how much we love them. Because they've never really felt that love. They've never had somebody care about them as much as we did. And it was such an amazing experience. And I'm so excited for what, like, God has prepared for them. So, Victoria's going to finish Good off job. here. Yeah. So before I went to Alaska and um, before we left Alaska, I had this big looming fear that upon returning, I wouldn't feel a lot of peace. Um, and I think a lot of that is because there's um, there's quite a bit of scrutiny when it comes to short-term mission trips. Um, a lot of people ask, well, what impact can you really make and is it lasting? And is there, can we call it good if we're just going to show up and see these kids and say, see you later, like, hope everything's okay for you and hope we spoke to you a little bit. Um, but first of all, I want to say that um, Grace Works, the uh, group that we are partnered with, um, is absolutely incredible and constantly has groups coming through. Um, and so there's definitely consistency um, in these kids' lives. They've been knowing that these uh, groups are going to show up for 15 years now, so we have a really great team who's um, good about going out to see um, who we are working with and making sure that it's a sound foundation. Um, but when we came back, um, I was thinking about all of those kids who we couldn't reach um, because Anchorage is full of all these kids, and it was amazing to see how we could plant seeds in uh, certain ones. We could water the seeds um, that were planted by the groups before us, and we could see a few seeds just bloom into fruition, um, which was incredible. But then I thought about the kids who were too young to comprehend what we're talking to them about and the kids who couldn't make it out to the park or perhaps didn't come out on the day that it was raining. Um, and I was reading Romans 2, and um, I freaked out when I read this. I texted the group, and I was like, guys, everything's going to be okay. Like, this is awesome. Um, I'm going to read it to you. It says, um, when outsiders who have never heard of God's law follow it, more or less by instinct, they confirm its truth by their obedience. They show that God's law is not something alien imposed on us from without, but woven into the very fabric of our creation. There is something deep within them that echoes God's yes and no, right and wrong. Their response to God's yes and no will become public knowledge on the day that God makes his final decision about every man and woman. The message from God that I proclaim through Jesus Christ takes into account all of these differences. And I'm sitting there praising the Lord because I'm thinking about all those kids who we couldn't reach and just knowing that God's got them. And... There was this great sermon that we heard when we were there by another pastor, and he was talking about how God is never late in his timing. Um, and I know that we really had to find peace in that and just hold on to that truth while we were there. Um, but this, this passage also really echoes what we witnessed that week because there was something really interesting about how eager these kids were to understand the Bible and understand Jesus. Like, they just blatantly would ask us, can you explain the Bible to me? Which is like, a missionary's dream. We were like, sure, here we go. Um, but there was something that was just tapping within them. And I also thought about um, how these are like nine-year-old girls strolling their infant toddler siblings um, to the park every day and how they just, they don't think about it twice. It's this, it's a joy of theirs, actually. It's just what's normal to them, which is 
kind of sad in itself, but at the same time, it's so encouraging because it talks about in here how there's something about God's yes and no and the right and wrong. And they just know this is my duty. I'm going to show up and I'm going to be there for my family because it's all that they have. They're siblings. Um, so it was awesome to witness that. And um, there was actually a girl named Anna who um, was talking to us on the last day. And it was pouring rain that day. And um, she had this huge splash of water on her back from being pushed down um, by her abusive boyfriend. And she was sitting with us and she was crying. And um, she had told us that her boyfriend, whenever they get in a fight or he's angry with her, he destroys, throws away whatever he knows is closest to her heart. And she told us that day that it was her Bible. And I stood back and thought, holy cow, have I ever really treated my Bible that way? Because first of all, we live in this great bubble in Cincinnati where it's not this terrible thing to be carrying around your Bible or unknown thing. Um, And then I also thought about like, oh, but I don't treat that like as my lifeline. This is her greatest treasure and this is what's going to get her through all of this. Um, and so I grew so much in that. And then to see the growth in all of our kids, like that is goodness. That's a lasting impact because relative to the kids in Alaska, our kids have great privilege and great resources that they can do something about what they've seen. We were asked to hashtag see the world, change the world. And I think that's the epitome of what a youth mission trip is about because we see this in Brianna, which is amazing. She's sitting up here telling you guys this whole congregation about what she did. And, I mean, Luke, who was up here earlier this morning, he told me when he, uh, a couple people reached out and said, Jeff needs people to talk about Alaska, he said, I was half asleep, and I thought, just type yes, don't even think about it, just regret it later, just don't, because he also was scared, but he learned from Jeff, and he learned from great examples like Brianna to call, feel, call fear a liar, put it in its place, and go do God's work. And it's absolutely incredible, and that is a lasting impact. If that isn't goodness, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. So um, we are just so grateful to see all that transformation. It was awesome. That was awesome. Yeah. Good job. I, I don't know about you, but I, <laughs> um, even if they just stood up here and said, blah, 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 wouldn't you be impressed? I mean, honestly. I mean, all I was thinking was, you know, that's, that's Grace Chapel's future. I mean, that's Grace Chapel's present, and that's Grace Chapel's future. I mean, how many of us would have the courage as our students to get up here and share like this this morning, but articulate it that well? Um, praise God. Let me close this in a word of prayer. God, thank you so much for this amazing day. Thank you so much for each, per, each person here. And Lord God, just pray. I pray with all of my heart that each one of us would leave this place, whether we go to a restaurant or we go to a gas station or we go wherever we go, Lord, even home, going home with our family, that we would show kindness and we would show love and compassion to those around us, especially, Lord, those who are in deep need. We just pray to your God that our hearts would be open, that our hearts would have a, a, a boldness to not only, not only, Lord God, to show kindness, but to share the love of your son, Jesus Christ, with those around us. What great testimonies we heard of students whose excitement came from sharing the gospel and seeing other people's lives transformed. May that be our desire as a church. May that be our true desire. We love you, Lord. We praise you. We ask for your power through your Holy Spirit to work in each one of our lives as we leave this place and throughout our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great, great week.